Well, welcome again, everybody, to another edition of Jaws Bites. This is Chris Johnson, your host. We have a special guest today, Mr. Tom French, formerly the Vice President of Hub Group Logistics, now Unison. And then he went in about 2005 and started his own company, SupplyChainCoach.com, with its interest involved in not just helping customers solve their problems and be consultative on the logistics side, but actually to allow them to learn, to educate themselves, to move forward and, and solve their challenges in a way that is designed to use technology and human capital to do so. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce to you Mr. Tom French. Well, Mr. French, it's it's just an absolute pleasure to have you on board the show today. I really appreciate appreciate you coming on for a few minutes and try to try to teach me as you have in the past, and hopefully teach some others some things about the supply chain logistics industry, kind of where you've been, but where you also see it going, and maybe maybe one of the best places to start is kind of what you think people's first steps or semi-first steps are when they're looking at the supply chain industry and how they might apply their own expertise to it. Yeah, you know, and uh, that's really true with almost all people who are in the supply chain. Oftentimes, they're looking at technology to try and drive cost out, but they really look about how do I start, and they're starting with a broken system. Mm -hmm. So in order to keep from doing that, what you need to do is pull historical information both purchasing and transportation. And once you pull it, then you can start looking at what is it that we're doing. Things that are so important for logistics is like velocity of SKUs. What are the A SKUs? In all my years of doing this, when you look at A SKUs, they basically are about 80% of the total profit the company generates, and it's 20% of the products. 80-20 rule, right? Yeah. Correct. And that's always holds true, which no matter which way you look at it, the same is true when you look at your best customers. The customers that are giving you the greatest profit, again, it's 80% and it's 20% of your customer base. So if you look at the metrics of products on the left side and customers on the top side, that first quadrant is the one you never want to lose. Mm -hmm. So in order to understand that, you got to, one, understand how do I reduce the cost? The cost is really about transportation. Two-thirds of the cost to serve a company is in transportation. One-third of that is in inventory. <clears throat> so when you look at managing transportation, you want to be able to optimize inbound and optimize outbound. Now, where people miss that, generally speaking, is they get pretty good at the transportation end of it, but then when it gets to the warehouse, they don't optimize anything. Right. So you want to get all your ASQs in really close picks, because if you have a team of people picking A's and mm -hmm. another team picking B's and C's, you can consolidate, mm -hmm. you will be able to pick stuff. I've seen companies go from four days to Process in order to hours. Yeah, so that, that's a huge efficiency difference. A huge efficiency. So what I would really suggest people look at 
is how do we take the technology into a TMS, transportation system, optimize it for mode shifts. So we want to take small pack to LTL, LTL to truckload, truckload to uh, intermodal, intermodal right. rail car, and on and on. Right. <clears throat> so the more you can do that mode shift, the more you're able to drive costs out. So, Tom, let me ask you something. Let me just back up one step if I can, because you hit a couple of really key notes at the very beginning here where you talked about the A SKUs, which is the 80% of the SKUs that make the money for the company, correct? Right. But you, but you were talking about gathering information from a company that you're, I assume you're talking about that you are either going in as a consultant or as a company itself, a 3PL of some kind or a transportation provider that wants to look at a company's current you know, transportation and distribution stream or chain. And the question I've always had, I remember when I first started out in sales, one of the biggest things was, okay, boss, how do we get these companies to give us the information that we're looking for? Now, you've been doing this for a lot of years. And I, I know as, as I was talking to you about before you came on here a second ago, I don't think a person like yourself ever truly retires, right? You always got your fingers in something, doing something to try to help somebody become more efficient. But the first step is ultimately very, very important. I'm glad you brought it up. But getting that information from people, what would you recommend when you're doing that as a company to company? Yeah, when so when you look at any company that's in business, particularly uh, consumer products or products, they have to order it. So somewhere in their system, they have purchase orders. They got receiving reports. They've got all of that. Now, sometimes it's in Excel spreadsheets. Got that. Uh, and then the converse is true as well. So they've got to have sales reports. Where did we sell the product? What kind of products did we sell? How many of them did we sell? All of that is usually in, ex in existence. They may not have the way to pull it out easily, but if they've got it in technology, it's usually extractable, very easy. But once you get that out, you can then take a look at where, what is it about this information that we should do. So I use spreadsheets mostly, and then I use uh, pivot tables, and I use mm -hmm. uh, different uh, spreadsheets on a Excel Mm -hmm. And you can look at the ABCs. You can look at the one, two, three of the customers. You can look right. at velocities. There's a million things you can look at. Once you see it, then how do we get it into a technology to make it optimize right. to be able to drive those costs out? And that's that's where a team of people that have done this for a certain period of time can start to see where if they shift how they create purchase orders, perhaps, or something like that, they could clomp them together and move from one, as you said, modality to another, which is typically a very large cost savings. So if you could imagine if you had several manufacturing sites, mm -hmm. if you could optimize across those manufacturing sites going into, let's say, food company. Mm -hmm. uh, grocery store, or grocery outlet, or uh, and all of that is where it all gets messed up in transportation. Oftentimes, they don't offload well, so yeah. you're late for the next one, <laughs> and as a result, the whole pro the whole the whole supply chain is messed up. So, if you could fill a truck or even a half a truck and go to a distribution center, and that's your last stop, you're going to drive cost out. Now, what you want to do is figure out how do I cube out the truck. Right. Right. 
Right. And exactly. that's the data can will tell you how to buy, how to go about doing that. And and you mentioned into a TMS system. And there are, you know, dozens and dozens and some proprietary, some that are on subscription bases these days. But from what you've seen from your history with large companies like Hub Group that you used to, to work with right. and then your own particular company like Supply Chain Coach, how, how did did you see most of it coming down to just simple databases and spreadsheets and then pushing them into proprietary systems or is it something you used to help tailor help people tailor their system to, to what you're talking yeah about? so i always encourage all the companies i work with to put something in the cloud like microsoft assured so i've worked with three pls like installing manhattan software mm-hmm. believe it or not manhattan is really a sophisticated software it's like number three or four in the world but they don't configure well. If you can't lead them in how to configure it correctly, then you're going to end up with stuff that just isn't working as well as it should be. So knowing what you have to do with the products you've got and then how to put that down so you can communicate that to a technology company is really important. Uh, I'll never forget when we did it for a uh, third-party warehouse in Southern California, uh, when Manhattan came up, I said, here's the flow charts we believe we need. So tell us how to improve those. And they said, we don't we don't do that. <laughs> so they just gave you the template, if you will. Then That's you guys right. had to drive the changes to that. We had to show them how to integrate and implement it. Mm-hmm. Because it, every time they come back and say, well, this is what we've come up with. And we look at it and say, well, can you change this, this or this? Now, most companies don't do that. And that's where they lose because they end up implementing and then they go, wow, this isn't any better than what we had before. Sure, sure. You know, what's interesting is is you've you've brought up this subject about gathering information and having the having an analysis done on that, whether it's outside or inside a company and then allowing that information to be pushed into a TMS with the right KPIs, I assume that the right priorities so that it makes the decision for people easier. But I remember, gosh. I hate to say how long I've known you because it's been a long time, but but I remember the first time, I believe it was a meeting with you up in the Bay Area that I heard, and I, I don't know if it originates with you, but I, I heard the, the, it wasn't just the term, but it was the philosophy of a continuous improvement program. Right. And I I never really thought about that before. I, you know, follow up. I, I was a sales guy at the time and you know, certainly you go in and make your sales pitch and you follow up and you get back with the customer, you go over some things, but I never had to find it that way. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think that's one really yeah. important thing that people miss. Well, it, it is. It absolutely is. So you get it into a sophisticated software and you're running along every three months. I would suggest you pull the data out and relook at what can you do to continually, continually improve the profit. And normally you'll find five or six things. You'll be able to only do two of those. And then you do those two and then you pull it out again and you go, wow, the next two is completely different than I thought the first time I did this. But if you do that every three months, both in inventory and in transportation, you'll continue to drive cost out, improve profits. That's what you want to do. Now, you've mentioned inventory a couple of times, which is real interesting because most of the times when I talk to transportation logistics professionals, they're all focused on 
the you know the strategies and process of moving something from A to B and all the links in between. But I think people often forget that the most important part of any company's design, especially one that was driving product somewhere, which is what we're used to, is getting that product in front of its potential and its current clientele. So it's it's really about the product too. So I know that, that having talked to you, that you've been involved with some consultative projects and you don't have to mention who they are or anything like that, but it would be interesting to me to see how you've tied those things together. You know, the transportation supply chain efficiency, but also these guys have products and they need to learn how to manage their inventories in a way that's more effective. And Chris, that's a great question because let's assume you got it into a great technology that the optimization system is really a good one. Once you run the optimization, so you're doing mode shifts, right? So let's assume because today we're seeing a small pack, huge, right? Amazon, all these, you should be filling all of those orders because that way you know your customer. If you let Amazon fill them, the Amazon knows your customer. You never do. And that's true with retail as well. But when you go back through and optimize, once you've got optimized from a mode shift, say LTL, small pack to LTL, then you bring it into the WMS and you optimize the pick. So it tells you where to stage it. And it directs it all the way down so that you're actually driving profits in the warehouse as well as in the transportation. You know what I find really interesting about this conversation is that it, to me, it always comes down to looking at you, you've got the, the, the beginning game and the end game. You've got the beginning of a process and you've got somebody buying something at the, at the furthest end. And then all these things in between, which are the supply chain links, you know, the, the links in the chain. And some of them have, some of them are weak and some of them are strong. And I think the power for supply chain professionals and what they need to learn, one of the most important things they need to learn is, number one, identifying where they have weak links. And number two, learning how to strengthen them through these efficiencies you talk about. Right. But a WMS system, warehouse management system, is very interesting because you would think that and this is this is strictly kind of my observation but oftentimes the transportation people aren't integrated with the warehouse people very well so tying those groups together is probably one of the you know it's it's all we talk about right now is the kind of the high tech right tms systems warehouse management systems all this efficiency but there's a high touch level to this and that's yeah. people to people right yeah and that that has always been the hardest part, but the most satisfying if you can bring people together. Well, absolutely correct. I mean, if you have a transportation system and people in it, then they should be helping the WMS, the warehouse management or the warehouse people to drive more efficiencies. And it's really easy to do because uh, if you look, most people would bring the orders into the warehouse management system first and then into the TMS only after they pulled all the products. It's the wrong way to do it. You want to bring it into the w, uh, TMS first, optimize it to get the mode shift, and then bring it back into the warehouse to make that work with your transportation. Do you find, Tom, that easier with large companies or small companies? Small companies. You can't yeah. get a large company because they're in. They're, they're all siloed, right? That's that's exactly correct. It's really difficult in a large company. Although uh, I was brought into Lodge Cast Iron Skillet Company, and 
the fortunate, it's a four generation, 122 year old company. And, uh, <clears throat> they couldn't keep up with orders. So they built another foundry. The minute they built a foundry, they said, wow, we need a distribution center. So it was brand new in their case. They really became 350% improvement in productivity within the warehouse. Can you the say that again? How many percent? 350% improvement. See, that, those are the kind of things that, that people <clears throat> miss when they're, they're talking about these kinds of things. And, and I mentioned the large and small company thing for a particular reason. One of the goals for iLevelLogistics.com that, that this, this podcast is on is to curate and aggregate information for people of all company sizes, people interested in supply chain, people outside or inside the industry to gain further understanding. But what I've seen, especially over the last two years during this pandemic and all the all the business changes that are coming, the, the, the great resignation, the great rejuvenation, the great whatever you want to call it these days, is that the smaller mid cap companies are finding themselves in a position to have to be even more nimble than they used to be. And if they look at their internal systems and tying them together, as you use the example, TMS and WS, WMS systems, that could be a big change for these guys to compete with people that are siloed and too big to do the same nimbly. They can beat them. Yeah. So when you look at uh, average profit, because profit is what drives the company. <clears throat> so most people that do the analysis are doing it on sales, and sales is the wrong. It should be on profit. Sure. Because profit is really what drives it. So what are the products that are driving the profits, and what are the customers that are buying the most profitable products? Then how do we supply those? So if, you, <clears throat> if company starts out, a lot of these small companies go to Amazon because Amazon uh, has one of the best web services in, right. the, in the in the world, actually. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they're selling products like Mad, and they'll take on all your products. They'll say, yeah, just send us all your products, but understand you got to write this agreement that says if it doesn't move, you're getting it back. So all of a sudden, they are working, and they're in six months into it. Amazon figures out there's only seven SKUs that really make all the profit. And they send back all the other 23 SKUs oh and say, God. oh, by the way, you have to satisfy that requirement. So Amazon it's, really is just a consignment store in the case you're talking about, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah, I mean, exactly. and and if you, the profit between you filling those orders and them filling those orders is significant. In Lodge, we've seen that profit change 30%. Wow. And, you know, and of course, the thing everybody gets enamored with is the, the, the size, scope and reach of a platform like Amazon. So they end up that 80-20 rule that you were just talking about. They end up developing 80 percent of their products for that one platform. Exactly. And then if, if half of those or more come back, they're done as a company. So it's really difficult. I agree. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. it's something that most companies don't even think about when they start out. And then all of a sudden they get 32 pallets back and they're going. Oh my gosh. And most of it is date. If it's food, it could be uh, close to the expiration dates. I mean, there's a oh lot my of gosh. Lot yeah. Dates, and and so. Amazon's by signing that, I mean, they have the power because they have to reach to the customer sure. that the companies are looking for. And it, you know, sure. it's frustrating to me because I remember, whew, I, I don't know when it was back in, you know, reading about, there was articles all over the place about the Walmartization of the United States. This was back in the like 2000 or something like that, 1999. 
oh god i'm dating myself big time on this but <laughs> but that was the big thing that's not even talked about now because of no. amazon right all right and, but both of those things and i'm not you know i'm a user of of the interfaces with these people as well sometimes out of necessity sometimes out of just convenience because that's kind of the world we live in but it's frustrating to me because i'm such an advocate for the small and mid-cap companies to try to drive i agree ability to compete and yeah. it seems like between regulation between size and scope it's harder and harder and harder for people to do that not if they're organized i mean i i've seen companies that oh we think we'll make 40 percent, and then all of a sudden if they do it really well they're going wow we're at 70 percent margin and wow. you can have a lot of mistakes at 70 percent. you can't at 30 percent. so right you yeah. got to be pretty good at what you're doing so what you what do you find that these kind of companies though are companies that have something kind of unique and that if they're if it's a company so i look at a small company you mentioned a couple of companies already and they kind of have a product that isn't, they all have competition, but doesn't have huge competition in the niche that they're in. Those, I think, would be the best suited for driving efficiencies in the WMS-TMS system to allow them to compete, other than commoditized stuff. You mentioned food, though. I would think food would be a hard one to compete with. Food is uh, one of the hardest ones because you've got a date lot code. Uh, you got a lot of things around foods. You got to be very careful. Some of it is refrigerated, so it's a lot more complicated. But yeah. uh, on the other hand, if you have, if you've set your technology up correctly, the efficiencies are there. Hmm. You can drive them. So the message that I'm hearing through this last few minutes is: technologies are vitally important to both analyze and manage the efficiencies. But having the people invested in that and understanding that it's going to drive not just the top line, but the bottom line. Correct. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. Teaching is all about it because the WMS or TMS company will come in and say, well, well what do you need? Mm-hmm. And so you give them all the data and they're going, oh, we can implement that. Well, that's not what they need. They need what should we be doing five years from now, not today. Sure. And oftentimes they never look ahead because what we're seeing, particularly in the world today, is that online is never going to go away. People are going to order and order like mad. So I come home and I've got seven boxes in the front door and I'm going, oh, my gosh, this is exactly what I'm talking about. It could come from anybody. Those are the things that companies really struggle with. And then they take it all back if you don't want it. Mm-hmm. So when you look at that reverse supply chain and ha- being able to handle all of that, that's when it's really difficult to make great profits. Yeah, I hear you. Now, years ago, 2007, 2006, something like that, you started a company, I believe. And, uh, 2005. Actually. 2005, okay. 2005, you went out and, and did the let's look for risk for a high reward kind of thing. You started a company, but I remember talking to you about it at the time. And it was a different philosophy than I was used to. Certainly customer-centric, certainly continuous improvement is a substantial part of kind of your service offering. But maybe you could explain the difference between kind of a normal consultative, I will do something for the customer with my team versus your philosophy as a supply chain coach. Yeah. And this is really what I looked at when I started supply chain coach. I'm going... 
oftentimes you'll bring a consultant in, they'll do the study and they'll say, okay, here's the results and this is what you could do. Mm-hmm. And then they walk away. I think they have to take you all the way through so that you can see the results and make sure your people are taught properly to do it. Because that's what doesn't happen. Right. Right. But let me get this straight, though. You you certainly use your expertise and your team's expertise to implement things for them, to make them more efficient, help them along the way, help them graduate to the next level in their supply chain understanding. But it was more of a use your people to teach their people so that you could Correct. extract yourself from the process and move on to the next one and the next one. And a lot of a lot of companies take kind of the opposite approach. We'll go in. And we'll tell you what needs to happen, and we'll do it all for you for a management fee, uh, gain share of the margin, whatever the case may be. Um, this is this is different. This is like uh, you were like a, a miniature university for these people. <laughs> well, you know, and a strange part of it is, many of the companies that we worked with kept coming back year over year and say, "Check our work. Are we doing it right? Is there anything we're missing? How could we improve that?" And so when you look at companies that really improve their supply chain cost on the P&L, I mean, I was, I was shocked at what people were able to do and how well they could drive it down. I've seen them go from 13 down to 2.1 on the P&L. Mm. Wow. When you see stuff like that, you're going, that's amazing stuff that they're driving in the company. You know, feel good about it. Well, you've given them the tools. And they were utilizing those tools. And they just said, can we use this tool for something else, right? That's kind of right. the way it was. But that is, right. that is something, uh, honestly, Tom, to be very, very proud of. Uh, you've, you've, your history in the business is, is, is lengthy and it had mostly, from my understanding, maybe you, maybe you started out in one type of modality or another, but since the time I've known you, you've always been kind of a solutions provider. One of the reasons I actually named my company CJ Solutions Group, or one of my companies that, is because I felt that same need to not just look at somebody's challenges and do something for them, but actually provide them with true solutions to their challenges. So that's that's at least the way I felt about it. And, and I got well, a lot of that. And oddly, oddly enough, that's the reason I'm on the call with you, because oh. I saw you do that. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I appreciate there are so few people that really will buy into it and then run with it, particularly people in sales. Yeah. So, yeah, you were you were unique. So you kind of touched on one of the last things I wanted to ask you about, too, because when you say that to me and I say that to you, I go, you know what? This is mutual admiration society in a way, and it's valid in both directions. But we're also both kind of old dogs in the business. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and there's a lot of very new, very entrepreneurial people, but also people that are looking at these efficiencies and these IT systems and and looking at everything from an analytical point of view, young people coming up through college that are getting into supply chains that really only know it by the numbers. What did you think those people should try to, if you were to give advice to somebody coming right out of university from a supply chain degree, because there's a lot of them now going into the business, what would be like maybe the one or two things you would try to offer them as advice? So always look back on historical and forecast. When you're looking at the supply chain, it is what you're doing today and you've got to service it. But I can tell you that when you look at WMS and products within it, an A product can become a B. There's a sine wave curve for every product. 
So when you look at the sine wave curve and you took every product and you added it when you started it, mm-hmm. you could see how your business grew, but you can also see how it could go away. So if you're not being creative and adding new products along the way and moving them from A's to B's or B's to A's, that's when you really start to lose your company. So in other words, don't rest on your laurels at all. Right. And that's not only from a business standpoint, that's from an individual standpoint, getting into the transportation logistics business. Well, Tom, I, I'll tell you, I can't thank you enough for spending a few minutes today with me. I really appreciate it. I hope that you will uh, afford me some opportunity to get with you again and talk about any number of subjects, because I know one thing for sure, you are one of the most passionate people about this business that I know. Well, when you love your work, there is no work. So I love what I do. (laughs) See, I always look at it and go, I love my work, but it's still a four letter word, work. (laughs) Uh, Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. So I wanted to thank Tom French once again for joining us for a few minutes to share his wisdom expertise over the years with supply chain and helping to solve problems from a both a human capital standpoint and technological standpoint to help further educate customers in how to manage their supply chain challenges, solve the problems, and come up with solutions that are going to benefit the not only the top line but the bottom line for customers join us at ilovelogistics.com as always come across your screen here subscribe get the daily email sent to you to take a look at the curated and aggregated information to help benefit you learn more about the industry that you're either in or wanting to be in and bring this community to the forefront go to youtube subscribe at the bottom right hand corner there's an i level button you can hit and be part of that subscription give us your feedback both on apple Podcasts, spotify etc All I can say is thank you very much, and we'll see you next time on Jaws Bites.